have a long way to go today and a short time to get there. So I'm not gonna waste any time. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this space. We thank you for everyone watching online. We thank you for the ladies, God behind bars. Be with us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You guys can take a seat. Welcome to week five, the fifth and final week of the future you. If you are new, this series has been about you. More specifically, this series has been about the future you and the gap between where you are today and where um, you believe God wants you to be three months from now, one year from now, five years from now. We've been giving you lots of biblical principles to help you take some steps and face the future with confidence and win the day and become the man or woman you believe God wants you to be. Now, we were going to end this series last week, after the fourth week, uh, but a couple weeks ago, I realized there's one last piece to this puzzle. There's one last week. We need to do a fifth and final week, because here's the deal. At Red Rocks Church, we exist to make heaven more crowded. And what we mean by that is we believe that we get to live for all of eternity. And so we can't just talk about the future you. We also have to talk about the forever you. Because if we can spend some time getting a, a good vivid vision of who we are going to be for all of eternity, then that vision we believe will actually pull the, the, the current us forward into becoming who God wants us to be today. So today, we're talking about heaven. Let's go. Now before we can talk about heaven, we gotta talk about heaven on earth. This is Catalina. One of my favorite places in the world, you may have, you may recognize this from the desktop screensaver of your MacBook. But if you uh, are on the coast of California on a clear day, you can see Catalina about 26 miles west. Now, one of my bucket list goals in my life is to paddleboard from California to, to Catalina, the 26 miles. And thank you for not laughing. The 8:30 thought that was hilarious. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know when I'm gonna do it, but I'm, I'm gonna make it happen at some point in my life, I'm determined. Now, this is Florence Chadwick. Florence is 100 times cooler than me because back in 1952, she tried to make this journey except without the paddleboard. She attempted to swim from the California coast 26 miles to Catalina Island set out super early in the morning and she had two boats flanking her on either side. The first boat was the encouragement boat. Her, her mom was there and her, her trainer was there and they were, they were telling her to keep going, keep going, keep going. The second boat was a bunch of guys with rifles because this is shark infested water and so they were keeping watch for the sharks. Yeah, I forgot to tell you that. Yeah, they, like Florence is no joke. She's a... Uh, She's cooler than me in every single way. And so she sets out and she starts swimming. Now, if you've been to California in the summertime, you know that oftentimes in the morning there is a really intense fog that sets in. And then the sun comes and burns it off around 10 a.m., 11 a.m. So when she set out swimming, it was foggy. The problem with this particular day is that it, the fog never left. It remained foggy the entire time. And so she was swimming out in the middle of the ocean, 
surrounded by fog on all sides, unable to get her bearings of where she was and how much further she had to go. Florence just keeps swimming, just keeps swimming, just keeps swimming, five hours, 10 hours, 11 hours. By the 12th hour, she's ready to be done, but her mom, mom's encouragement and her trainer's encouragement keep her going. She's swimming 13 hours, 14 hours, 15 hours, 15 hours and 55 minutes in. She is completely exhausted physically, of course, but let's be real, also emotionally. Can't see anything in front of her. She gives up. She says, I can't go any further. They grab her and they get her in the boat. She's taking a few deep breaths and trying to get her bearings. She realizes in that moment that she was about a half mile away from Catalina. She had no idea, couldn't see it. Now, in an interview the next day, Florence said, no excuses, I didn't make it. However, she goes, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have been able to get it done. If I could have seen where I was going and how close I was, I think I would have been able to persevere. And I can't think of a better picture to illustrate what I'm trying to accomplish in the next few minutes. Anybody ever feel like you're just swimming through fog in life? Like you don't know where you're going and you don't have a picture of the shore? I think one of the mistakes we make in church sometimes is we don't talk enough about heaven. And so what ends up happening is we feel like we're just drowning in the middle of the sea and we don't have a picture of the forever us. And so we end up wanting to give up or slow down instead of, like the writer of Hebrews says, run our race with perseverance. And so what I wanna do today is just do my best to illustrate the shore illustrate heaven, talk about where we're going to spend all of eternity in the hopes that that, that picture will pull the, the current us towards where God wants us to go. Sound good? Now, two balancing statements before we talk about heaven. And the first one may shock you. I've never been. <laughs> I know, I know. This whole endeavor this week is kind of silly at some level because I'm up here talking about a place I've never been to. It, it would be like, uh, imagine you come up to me in the lobby and you go, hey, um, we're actually heading to Italy this summer. And I said, oh, summering in Italy, let me tell you, life changing when that, that breeze flows in off the Mediterranean Sea and the sun is setting in the western sky and you're sipping a nice red after a full day of art and culture and history and delicious food, there's nothing like it. You'd be like, that's, a, that's amazing. Like, what are some of your recommendations? And then imagine if I was like, oh, I, I, I've never been. <laughs> you'd say, you were just kind of talking about it like you've been there before, right? That's kind of how I feel today. I've never been to heaven, that's the first thing I wanna say, but the second thing is equally as important. I believe that God has given us our, our minds for a reason and given us our imaginations for a reason and given us each other for a reason and most importantly, given us the word of God for a reason. It's because God wants us to press in and ask questions and think about the mysteries of God. 
See, we make two mistakes when it comes to dealing with the mysteries of God. The first mistake is we just assume that we got it all figured out, and that's not true. Isaiah tells us his ways are not our ways. But the second mistake we make is just to give up. And see, we miss it on both sides. Because here's the deal about the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God aren't things that we'll never be able to understand. Rather, they're things we'll never stop understanding more. And there's a big difference between those two things. And so join me today as we open God's word and press in and pursue. Here's our phrase for today, humble pursuit. Because I've, I've scrapped this sermon 20 times. I called Ethan Wednesday night late, like I can't do it. I'll preach about something else. Because it's so hard to, to talk about heaven as a finite human. But, but the humility is, I've never been and I'm doing my best. The pursuit is, we're not gonna stop trying. And here's the deal. I'm gonna get some stuff wrong 500 years from now. You can walk up to me in heaven and go, well, you were wrong about that. Fine, okay? I'm doing my best. But here we go. With that, let's go to God's word. Revelation 21, verses one through five is gonna be our passage for today. We could spend the rest of, well, eternity talking about this topic, um, but we only have a few minutes, so let's just go five verses. Revelation 21, verses one through five. I'm gonna read it all the way through, and then we'll, we'll go back and take it one verse at a time. God's word says this. Then I saw a new heaven, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice. Use the imagination God's given you to picture this right now. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Some of you need to hear this right now. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that passage. But I know we just threw a lot at you, so now let's back up to verse one, and let's start from the top and work our way through. I'll take it a verse at a time, do my best to point out a few things along the way, and we'll sing uh, another song and get out of here. Sound like a plan? Revelation 21 and verse one talks about this guy named John. By the way, we're reading Revelation right now. This is the last book in your Bible. First, it's not Revelations. There's no S at the end of it. Um, and I say that because Christians love to correct and so if you say Revelations, like three, eight, you'll get like four people coming up to you going, actually, it's Revelation. And you can just look at them and say, nerd. But <laughs> Revelation is a picture of an event that's going to happen in the future. Okay, so, so what, it, what John is seeing here in verse one hasn't happened yet. Sometime in the future, by the way, when is it gonna happen? I don't know. And also, nobody does. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, nobody knows the day 
or the hour that these events are going to take place. And so if somebody tells you that they do know, just smile and tell them to have a great day. <laughs> I love that Jesus said that, side note. I, I think Jesus understood that for thousands of years, people who want power in the platform would realize that if they just tell everyone they have some secret knowledge about the date and when it's gonna happen, that people would listen to them. And so I, I think Jesus just gave us that Matthew 24, 36 line as a reminder um, to, to pray for those people and love those people, but not waste an ounce of sleep worrying about what they say, right? So we don't know when this event is going to happen, but sometime in the future, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Now, if you are a thinking person, and I believe that you are, you're probably asking a question right now. Okay, if the new heavens and the new earth is going to happen in the future, what about my loved one who passed away last year? My, my grandma uh, lived for 95 years and lived just a, an amazing life of generosity and hospitality and following Jesus, and she passed away last year. So the question in, in my mind is, okay, so if... Revelation 21.1 is about the future. Where is she right now? I'm gonna answer that question, but this might push your theology a little bit. And I wanna, I wanna invite you to let it push your theology a little bit. My answer is she's in heaven. That part's not surprising. Here's the surprising one. But heaven is not her final destination. I believe that my grandma is in heaven right now, but that's not where she's going to end up for all of eternity. It works like this. There's today, and then there is heaven. Some theologians call this the intermediate state. As God prepares for Revelation 21, that passage we just read in the future. And so the rest of my sermon is going to be about the new heavens and the new earth, but real quick, let's chat about heaven. We know very little about it, but we do get some verses. The first and most important is Luke 23, where Jesus is hanging on the cross, and there's a thief to his left and a thief to his right. There is a thief hanging on a cross who has spent his entire life stealing from people, so much so that he is now being killed for it. And he, with one of his last breaths, he calls out to Jesus. This is how our Lord and Savior responds. Truly I tell you, today, everyone say today. Today you will be with me in paradise. So it's, it's today you pass away, the new heavens and new earth aren't here yet, but heaven, I believe, is what Jesus is talking about where he goes, but you're, you're with me. And we know very little about this, but Paul says this in Philippians 1, Paul had a really hard life um, and he's writing from prison towards the end of his life. And he says, I'm torn between the two. Look, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Followers of Jesus get to be with Christ when they die. He says this, which is better by far. So we don't know much about heaven. We do know it's better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul goes, look, I'm gonna keep swimming, even though that's going to be better by far, right? So, so um, what I have for you, the question of, well, where is my loved one who passed away? Um, they're doing just fine. 
I love to, um, I love books. I love the first line of every book. I've noticed over the years that the first line is the most important line, one of the most important lines of the book. So I'm always looking at opening lines. Uh, I have a lot of f- favorites. I could do like a sports center top 10. What if I just, just totally did? No, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> but I have a favorite by a guy named D.L. Moody. He's a 19th century theologian. He started his autobiography this way. Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Get this in your soul right now. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that's all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot I don't know much about heaven, but I know it's going to be amazing. Now, I also know that it's not our final destination because Revelation 21.1 starts talking about this moment in the future where God will actually establish the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, here's why this is so important. If you're anything like me, you grew up hearing about heaven and we're like, like these like orbs that are like floating through space and like kind of like bumping into each other, like bumper cars sometimes you know, and just like singing and not really present and unsure, like un- unsure what to do. Like sometimes we paint heaven as this endless church service. Hey, some of you can't even get through the final song in an hour long church service. <laughs> and so the afterlife uh, intimidates us until we understand Revelation 21.1, which by the way is just a callback to Isaiah 65. This is the, the journey all throughout scripture that ultimately God is in the business of establishing and renewing and redeeming earth, which means that our eternal state is not disembodied, but we have bodies. It's not ethereal, it's concrete, it's human beings living together. Think about Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross on Friday, defeats sin and death on Sunday. How? Not by floating out of the tomb, but by walking out of the tomb in his resurrected body, having conversations with his disciples. The whole uh, Doubting Thomas moment where Thomas is like, I don't buy it. Jesus is like, then touch, I'm right here. He eats food with his disciples. He cooks them breakfast on the beach in John 21. See, the eternal, eternal state that we have to look forward to is actually us being humans again, except the earth is renewed and restored. You know those moments where you, you're, you're out to eat with good friends and you're laughing and you're telling jokes and it just feels pure and you drive home going like, I feel like that, there's something special about that. Yeah, It's because you were getting a glimpse into heaven on earth, getting a glimpse into eternity. Isaiah talks a lot about this. The prophet Isaiah in in Isaiah 25, he paints it as a table. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. We're gonna eat well on New Earth. And it's not just the, the food, it's the, it's the company, right? The picture of New Earth is a table, like a, an evening banquet where we're all giving toast to the kingdom work we got to do this side of eternity. 
And so what that means is that the forever you is going to be sitting around a table one night on new earth and all of the bitterness that you currently feel, all of the unforgiveness that you're holding on to, all of the anger, it's all going to look really silly. And so here's a line that I've held on to and filter, try to filter my life through. Is this going to matter a thousand years from now? That little argument you had with your roommate, is it going to matter a thousand years from now? That thing your spouse said in a moment of weakness, is it going to matter a thousand years from now? Because if the answer is no, man, let's let it go. Push further. There will be people at that table who got saved at your old church that you're still mad at. Hey, it's not gonna be like, well, where's the Red Rock section? <laughs> no, it's going to be children of God together, unified under King Jesus, going, look at all of the kingdom work we all got to do together. Heal, man. Let it go. You will in eternity. Why not start now? I know it's not easy. I know what I just said. And I am working through things in my own life too, absolutely. But let's get a vision of the forever us. And let's start to filter the things that we say and do through the lens of will this matter a thousand years from now? All right, we gotta keep going. Verse two. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Notice the, the Bible starts, Genesis 1 and 2, in a garden, and it ends, uh, Revelation 21 and 22, in a garden, but now the garden has become a city. Why? Because human beings are on this earth to work it. Human beings are on this earth to cultivate it, to take it somewhere. John Mark Comer writes about this in a book called Garden City, and in that, that, John Mark says, you would think that if Jesus's agenda is to fix the world gone awry, then the story would end up back where it all started, in Eden, with everybody naked and unashamed. But instead, it's a little different. Actually, it's a lot different. It's a garden-like city called New Jerusalem with walls and gates and streets and dwellings and art and architecture and food and drink and music and culture. Why is that? Because the garden was never supposed to stay a garden. It was always supposed to become a garden city. Let me tell you what this means. Your work actually matters. You were created for it. Here's what else that means. You get to work for all of eternity. Hey, some of you just got like the infinite Sunday scaries right now. <laughs> Let me help you. We know that work is actually good. You know this because there's a day where like the team is actually getting along. Remember that day? It happened like three months ago. <laughs> and like everyone was firing on, on, on all cylinders and the product that you were creating actually got completed or the sale you were trying to make actually went through, 
or you were actually able to, to put the child with a, a loving foster parent or the surgery went well or you won the case or whatever it is, you know that feeling where you drive home just going, yes, let's go. It's because we're created, we're put on this earth to take it somewhere. It's just that work is currently a part of the, under the curse which means that those days are very few and far between, right? And so imagine, imagine work, but without all of the curse. Imagine work, but it's always the really good moment. And it's always the, the moving forward. And it's always the progress. And it doesn't feel like pushing a rock up a hill only to have it fall back over you. See, you were created for work. Ephesians 2.10 says that God has good deeds and good things that he wants you to do. Revelation 22, three and four talk about how we'll still be serving God on new earth. That means, follower of Jesus, you have the rest of eternity to fulfill those God-sized dreams that he's placed in your heart. Amen. Amen. We gotta get this, man, because time is a, is a wild thing, isn't it? Anyone feel like there's just like a shot clock up in the sky that, that's like always counting down and you're, you always feel like you're running out of time? Well, according to scripture, you get the rest of forever to build and create, take this world somewhere. That is what the Bible has to say about the forever you. That's really good news. But here's some even better news, verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. At the end of the day, this is what matters. God will dwell with us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the story of the entire Bible the culmination of the story in the entire Bible. God has always wanted to dwell with us. He did in the garden, Genesis one and two, then everything broke and God started dwelling in different ways. Like in Exodus 25, he says this, then have them make a sanctuary, a tabernacle for me and I will dwell among them. And then 1500 years later, Jesus comes on the scene and John writes it like this, the word became flesh, meaning Jesus, and, his, and made his dwelling among us, wherever Jesus went, it was like a walking wedding celebration of heaven meeting earth. That's why blind eyes were open and demons fled and relationships were restored. Okay, but now in Revelation 21, we see the culmination of that word where John writes, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Here's the good news about new earth, is that we're all so keenly aware that Jesus is king, and that God is for us. You know that feeling you feel sometimes to try to take matters into your own hand? Is it just me? Like Genesis one and two, human beings are like, no, uh, we realize that God is God and we dwell with him. Genesis three, the lie that, that Satan tries to spin is, hey, you're not just made in the likeness of God, you can be like God. And ever since the world has just fallen apart. Revelation 21.3 paints a picture of a day where we'll no longer do that. 
where we give our worship to the one and only King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where Jesus reigns. See, so much of, of the, the glimpses of heaven that we get this side of eternity, um, it's like they're amazing, but they, it's like there's some, always some pain worked in there. And there's always like some bitterness worked in there and there's always some, some competing and some envy and some strife working in there. Revelation 21.3 paints the picture of the day where we have all of that, where we worship together with no comparison. We worship together with no overthinking. We worship together but with no striving because we realize that God is our God. And then verse four says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Uh, four weeks ago, we had our, our Sunday service and it was amazing. It was this full day of ministry and great conversation. And I was just so excited about life and finally got home in the evening and made myself some dinner and was just sitting down to eat when my phone rang. And uh, a family was in dire need of a pastor. Um, dad was in the hospital and um, by the time I got there and the nurse debriefed me, it was comfort care, um, meaning they were just keeping him comfortable um, in his final few hours. And I walk in and his wife is there, his son is there, his two daughters and all of their spouses are there and their eyes, they, their eyes are just, it's like there's nothing behind them. They're going this, what do we, what do, we do? And um, I realized in that moment, recognized in that, mo that moment, once again, how good of news it is that like, it's not my job to try to be God. And I know how, how simple that sounds. And yet we all do this in different ways, don't we? I'm so glad that in that moment, I got to get in my car and crank all hail King Jesus on my way to the hospital. I'm so glad that I got to walk into that room and sit and cry and mourn and then open up to Revelation 21 and start reading about the end of this story where, where, where God will wipe every tear from our eyes because death actually isn't the end of the story. And then turn over to Psalm 23 and put my hand on, on this man who's just barely there and say, hey, the Lord is your shepherd. Shall not want. He's allowing you to lie down in green pasture and he's leading you beside quiet water. He's protecting you, he's with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid right now. For your good shepherd is walking with you every step of the way and you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life is too hard, guys. Life is too hard to not make Jesus king. Life is too hard to try to, to, to be the one going, oh, I think I could be like God. Uh, may work for a, a moment, 
but in the face of tragedy, you realize just how much you need a savior and just how beautiful Jesus really is. Who says, Revelation 21, five, finish it up. Behold, I am making, I'm making everything new. Uh, you, know, you ever notice how all the Christian words that we use always start with a re, the prefix means again, like, like resurrect, back to life, redeem, to deem worthy again, renew. When we do worship here on a Friday night, we call it renew, getting our minds right again. Yeah, it's because re is the anthem of scripture. The story of scripture is it was beautiful and now it's broken, but it will be beautiful again. The story of scripture is that Jesus is making all things new. And so I have a sense right now that there may be some people in the room or watching online or ladies at God Behind Bars who need to take a moment and put Jesus on the throne. Take a moment and say, hey, I'm ready to give my life over. I'm not gonna sit on that throne anymore. It's not for me. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And so would you all, just for a moment of privacy, would you close your eyes, bow your heads? If that's you, man, if this, if this vision of the forever you, Revelation 21 is calling out to you and it's time for you to say Jesus is Lord. Would you just boldly just raise your hand up in the air, amen. Pray this with me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe that you are the king of the kingdom. I'm done trying to rule and reign. I want to say your will be done. Make you my Lord and savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, heaven just got more crowded, you guys. Let's go. Come on. Did you guys stand with me? because there's something else happening in the room. I I've, have a sense that there are also a lot of people who need a, a renewed vision of new earth, a renewed vision of heaven, a renewed vision of where you get to spend all of eternity. Because Florence Chadwick went home disappointed. And then the next day she got back in the water and kept training. The day after that, she kept going. After that, she kept going. Not only that, she started getting a, trying to get a, a picture of the coast in her mind because she knew, hey, the fog may set in again. So I gotta get a picture of where I'm heading. And two months later, she became the first woman to ever swim from California to Catalina. Hey, when you get a picture of the forever you, when you get a picture of who Jesus is and the plans that Jesus has for your life, you watch how it starts changing your current you. Hey, the forever you is not full of fear. I need you to hear that. The forever you, I'm not talking about the person next to you, the forever you is not full of fear. So that crippling fear that you feel throughout the day, hey, just know that's not the end of your story. Get that in your mind and allow the picture of the forever you to begin pulling the current you forward. 
That addiction is not the end of your story. Hey, the forever you is not addicted to that vice that you can't get, get, get away from. You need to remember that on the good weeks and the bad weeks. And if this week was a bad week, can I just remind you that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion? There will be a day in eternity where it doesn't have a hold on you. And hey, if you start getting that in your mind right now, it can start to become your reality today. The depression is not the end of your story. The anxiety is not the end of your story. Hey, the overthinking, this one's for somebody. The overthinking is not the forever you story. At peace where you are today. Hey, maybe it's time to start telling our today what the Word of God has to say about our tomorrow. If we start doing that, you watch. You watch how the things of heaven start breaking out here and now in this place. Watching online at God Behind Bars. So Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for eternity. We thank you that this is not the end of the story. Now, Lord, would you give us a divine download of new earth? And would it be so beautiful that it pulls us forward today? Lord, we want to see the things of heaven. We want to see it here and now. So would your kingdom come and would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 